Welcome to Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud, a weekly podcast with IT leaders who are driving the future of a software-defined infrastructure-based data center. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud. My name is Jake Smith, and I'm here with the co-founder and SVP of engagement, Jacob Smith, from Packet. Welcome, Jacob. Thanks for having me, Jake. So um, for our listeners who are a very tech-focused audience, tell us a little bit about Packet, why you started it, who you started it with, and where you guys have come since you began in 2014. So Packet.net is, uh, as you might find out by going to our website, we're a public cloud. So Packet has a unique angle on the public cloud space right now in that we offer bare metal. We're all about servers. So your people are my people. We started the company about Almost four years ago, my brother and I, my twin brother, had spent about 15 years in the infrastructure space, and we were sitting around trying to figure out how we could replicate the incredible success we had from our lawn mowing business when we were about 12 years old. That was like really good cash flow business, and we decided we might as well get back into the infrastructure space. So we actually got started mainly because we saw this really cool trend, which was open software and you know software is eating the world, right? And it was eating its way, not just into the comfortable areas, it was eating further and further and further down the stack. You know, you saw things like Docker and Kubernetes starting to be on the horizon. And, you know, people were starting to talk about GPUs and FPGAs and smart NICs. And we're like, I thought that was all solved. I thought we were just doing VMs from here on out. And we really kind of got curious as to what was happening here. So we saw this really big push of software just going further and further down the stack automating all the things and trying to get value out of the hardware. And, you know, software is just not afraid of complexity. Or on the other side, we saw the public clouds were generally pushing you away from that. They were saying, no, 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 no. Here, the hardware, don't worry about it. We're going to give you something abstracted. Here's a VM or here's an API, here's a service. And so we thought that was a really interesting trend to see, well, could we provide the experience of the cloud? Get it in a few minutes, use their APIs and your developer tools, but get access to actual physical hardware. Get access to that value that Intel, you know, put a couple billion dollars into inventing and see if you get direct access to that and use it the way you wanted to use. So that's what we did as we started basically in 2014 to automate hardware at scale. And so now we're in 18 locations. We service about 15,000 developer-style customers who rely upon automation to deploy nearly 60,000 bare metal servers a month on our public cloud. That is so awesome. Such a great story, Jacob, because you guys said, you know, we want to transform the way we look at hardware and create a, a next sort of innovation layer. And, and I love the approach. I obviously love it because you're also really good at optimizing that bare metal experience on Intel. Tell us a little bit about that relationship and why you and your brother chose Intel when you decided you wanted to create this bare metal experience and this next generation innovation opportunity. Well, first of all, when you're in the data center space, you're talking a lot of Intel, but we saw a lot of diversity coming on board. And then it's really about, and diversity, I mean, different kinds of hardware. You look at, you know, it used to be, okay, well, what's the Xeon processor I'm buying, right? But now you're talking about all kinds of things. You're talking about the impact of your memory channels. You're talking about the Octane technology and the 3D crosspoint. You're talking about FPGAs. And this stuff is not incrementally improving your experience. It's transforming it, right? So it was really important to work with a company that was really both creative and 
you know, has the depth of innovation, right? When you, when you look at Intel, you know they have the depth, right? You know that Intel's got the, the researchers and the, the investments and the fabrication. But we were really impressed with the level of creative partnership. And so we just announced about a week or two ago a partnership with Intel, which I think is a really interesting example. Because the whole idea that we used to 10 years ago, you can create a new product at the hardware layer and say, let me ship it to you so you can try it. Put it in your data center. That just doesn't resonate the same way anymore when people may not have a data center or their team may be distributed across 15 countries. And so we helped to position ourselves with Intel, and Intel was super receptive to seeing us as a way to reach those new kinds of customers who may have never been in a data center in their entire life. One point there is it's okay when you have one or two data centers to think about it as a sort of static thing. You know, it's very physical. But, you know, part of what Packet was built for is what if you need to be in 100 or 1,000? What if you're trying to get cars to not drive into themselves, you know, New York City? And latency maybe matters a little bit more to you then the concept of a data center and the act of touching your hardware becomes sort of insane. You have to think about how can I automate that at a scale and a a level of diversity of hardware in place and networks and all the things that up until now, we've been thinking U.S. East and U.S. West. Let's go into some of those trends that you talked about, Jacob, because I'm seeing this trend, but I'm not sure that the rest of the market quite sees it as fast as we do. So for me, it's, it's a matter of what's the mindset. In an IT world, in an IT mindset, you know, security and control and process, you know, the whole culture around it is different. Where in a developer mindset, you know, you could be 22, you could be 42, you could be 52 and beyond, doesn't matter to me. But your idea is if I have to do that twice manually, I'm going to automate it. And that's just kind of moving the value chain. And I don't say that that's one is better than the other, but it's empowered by a different level of tooling, right? a different level of approach, right? So. I think that what we're seeing and what we're tapping into isn't a generational thing, although, you know, that exists as well, right? There's a million new developers created every year. There's not as many IT managers. I think actually some of the skills from the IT world are super critical as you start spending millions of dollars a month and managing global infrastructures and dealing with compliance and security. But the benefits that we need to look at here are that the cloud really gave us the benefits of automation, right? And that's the developer space. It's very fertile for someone who's looking to programmatically deal with the complexity of infrastructure, because there's just no doubt that infrastructure is complex. What do you think changes your approach versus maybe others in the industry who are trying to become providers of unique bare metal capabilities? Well, I wish there were more of them. So first of all, bare metal's been a lonely space. You know, there's, there's basically been a hosting industry, which is, you know, just is substantial. Um, but a truly automated, I can consume it with my automation. You know, I'm talking about like we have customers who deploy hundreds of times per day. You know, that's just what they do right there. Automating a CI loop, they're testing their stuff at scale. That's a pretty small group right now. The main public clouds are dominated by a virtualization-based model, right? That's how they deliver you infrastructure um, is through multi-tenancy and virtualization. They're starting to move that way. You see Oracle, obviously. Amazon has a new bare metal product based you know, for their VMware. Um, but it's not really a big space right now. The reason why Oracle or maybe Amazon, which are fantastic providers, are interested in bare metal is because it's really an on-ramp for traditional IT workloads that are oil stranded. We're doing it really with a mindset of what's coming over the next five to 10 years. What's the new workload? What's the autonomy? What's the IoT? What's the virtual reality workload going to need? Where's it going to need it? The reason was because if you're not a public cloud, the developers can't touch you. 
know, they can't test their software. They can't get used to it. They couldn't even say like, hmm, what's that new Intel Optane technology? I'd like to try it. And so that's really the promise we delivered up front. Where we see it going is a little bit different. Tell us, where do you think it is going, Jacob? <laughs> so that's a great question. You know, when we thought about starting the company, we thought on a 10-year cycle because that's how long it takes to do infrastructure. You know, you don't just decide to create a new processor line, right? You got to work on it for a few years. So we thought in a 10-year thing, we thought, what is infrastructure going to look like? First of all, we thought it would be much more distributed. You know, things like 5G are just going to create so much data that backhauling them all the way to Kansas, just so you can terminate the billing for your telco thing, is only going to make sense. So you're going to move the infrastructure in more places. Number two, it's going to be more specialized. And that's because as workloads get big, it's one thing to run your CRM or your email. Right? It's a different thing to send rockets to Mars, or a different thing to like make cars drive themselves. It just gets more specialized as the workload gets bigger. And there's a famous quote by Alan Key from like 25 years ago. He said, if you're really serious about software, you need to design your own hardware, which I think is kind of saying at some point when the workload gets big enough, you start designing the hardware around the software versus the software around the hardware. You know, you're already seeing it now. You see it with Intel's product line. We're not talking about just generic stuff now. Now we're going down into programmable offloads, you know, custom silicon, essentially. And we're seeing that specialization. When you see all the major clouds doing it for their own workloads, Google with their TPUs, you know, Amazon with their smart NICs. And this is where the new workloads, AI, ML, but all these things coming after it are going to be defined because they're so big. And the last point I would say that we thought would look like is it was the matter of trust, right? The idea that our infrastructure was safe because it was in a data center with a man trap is foolish. When it's in hundreds or thousands of locations, obviously that becomes untenable. So the idea that hardware and software would really need to figure out security, you know, from the bottom up, not sort of as an afterthought, but work together. You know, this isn't a one, you have to deal with Spectre. That's not my fault. That's not my problem. Of course it is. This is a collaboration now between hardware and software. So that's kind of our vision of the future is that we'll see more of that. That's great. Well, you know, you guys just have this amazing culture around innovation, whether it's hardware, software, customer service. Where'd you get it? And can you tell our listeners about it? Sure. Well, you know, it's always easy to define culture when you're small, right? So the things you do when you start a company echo for a long time. And I'm sure you can look back at Intel's core values and what you're all about and trace it back pretty far. And so those things got really important. So we'd started companies before. We'd been around the block a little bit. And so when we started the company, the first thing we did wasn't design the technology stack. The first thing we did was wrote down our core values. What are we here for? Why are we doing it? And so for Packet, that was a matter of saying, like, we're passionate about building a better internet. The only reason we started it was because we thought we could do it better. And what we're really good at is automating fundamental infrastructure. That's what we want to be the best in the world at. So if we have those two things really clear to anyone who comes in, it almost doesn't matter what their skills are per se. Obviously, you got to get people to know what they're doing, but are they passionate about what you're passionate and do they believe in the same kind of thing you believe in? Then that just sort of amplifies itself. You know, you start finding out that people are coming to you with ideas you never would have thought of and doing the right thing that you never could have told them to do, but they're coming at it from the same reason why you're doing it. And I think that's a big part of what we've been able to do over the last couple of years. Where can our listeners find out more about Packet? Yeah, so the best thing to do is try it. Obviously, Packet has a big vision. We're going to go conquer the world one day. Hope to join you for that journey, you know. <laughs> but we're early days. The best thing we can do right now is come sign up, you know, bug us for some credit, go to packet.net, and kick the tires. Do something new. You know, deploy your application instead of in one 
data center, put it in all 18. Understand what you can do with an Intel X710 NIC and DPDK. I mean, that's hard stuff, but spend a weekend on it, right? <laughs> and so when you have direct access to the hardware, what can you unleash? You know, what can you do different? And so that's kind of our ask is like, come and learn more. Check us out. Obviously, we'd love to partner with you as a customer or as a, in some other way. But mainly, you know, come see what you can do in this Petri dish of hardware that we allow you to access in the way that a modern software developer would choose to do if they could. Outstanding. One final question. Takeaway packet. Just where does Jacob Smith think the future of cloud infrastructure goes in the next decade? <laughs> so it's really funny, but um, most people don't care about servers. <laughs> it's just not a thing that gets people excited except for you and me, your listeners maybe, right? But most of the world is driven by experiences. You know, I don't know what your kids do, but I know my kids play Fortnite. I mean, two months ago, Fortnite didn't even exist. I think the future of technology is personalized and it's experiential. So this is what drives the workloads. There wasn't a Fortnite two months ago, and now it's probably one of the biggest consumers of you know, either Google or Microsoft or whoever's public cloud, right? And the idea that if we want to know where the future of technology is, look at the future of those experiences. Will you be talking on the phone in five years or will you be talking to the wall? I think that's a really interesting promise. There's a lot of implications there, but personal and experiential. You know, technology for technology's sake, that's of interest to us technologists. But beyond that, I think we'll see the world really change and flatten and hopefully do wonderful things because of that. Well, I hope so too, Jacob. For the both of us, for our children and for our grandchildren, I hope that is the case. Well, this has been a wonderful experience for me. I like to say uh, the two Jakes, uh, the two Jake Smiths, in fact, or Jacob Smiths, in <laughs> fact, the history of this podcast. So with that, I would like to thank you. It has been my absolute pleasure. Uh, this is Jake Smith from Intel with Jacob Smith, SVP and co-founder of packet.net. It has been our pleasure. This has been Conversations in the Cloud. Wherever you may listen to this podcast, we wish you a very good morning, good afternoon, and a wonderful evening. Mm-hmm.